guys remember being in here with me, having a junior church and doing that years ago? How, how many, ra raise your hand if you remember being in junior church. Those were good times. Do you think, well, let's, we'll let people walk in. Do you think life was easier when you were in junior choir, primary choir, in junior church than it is now? Things were more simple then. Life was less complex. I think that's true. And I'd be, rather be in front of them than you too, to be honest with you, because there's some pressure with you guys that is not with the little kids, that uh, you can be, I don't know, just more relaxed with them. You guys scare me a little bit. But we'll talk about it in a minute. Let's start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this blessed week of camp. Lord, it is by you and for you that we are here, that we worship and praise you, and that we hear your word spoken, we hear your call on our lives, Lord, as those who don't know you yet and those who are your children. We are drawn to you by the love that you have shown for us. We just thank you so much for this time. We pray that we would be united in our thoughts and that we could share with one another and that we can grow. We just thank you for your love for us and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so Friday in camp. Friday in camp is filled with a little apprehension. Friday night's coming up. A little relaxation. Teen choir's out of the way. Relief. Sadness, it's almost over. There's a lot of feelings that we are going through as we experience Friday. Um, I would like all the ladies to please close your eyes and please be honest when I say, especially those older ones that are mothers and stuff. All you ladies, please close your eyes. Gentlemen, um, how many of you have gone through your set of underwear in the, and are repeating your underwear. Please keep your eyes closed, ladies, honestly. Raise your hand if you are repeating your set of underwear. Wow, are you guys not being honest with me? Wow, it's not a big deal. Look, my hand's up, come on. Of course, I had a wife that laundered them, but... Okay, wow, that was pretty good, I'm impressed. Did your mom say, pack enough underwear before you left? Did anyone raise your hand if your mom said that? That's not a big deal. There's nothing to be embarrassed. There you go. Okay, good, good. Um, how many here, who is, raise your hand if your mom packed your bag for you? That's not embarrassing either. That's all right. My mom didn't, my wife did, and I had to go and buy my own socks because I had no socks when I got here. So it's good to double check even if someone packs your own stuff. Um, nagging. It, this, I, this just came to my mind because as I was thinking about uh, parents and how we relate, nagging seems to be a problem and seems to be an issue. And really, it's really not on your part. It's kind of our part as parents. There's a top ten, I just looked on the internet, of nagging. And, and I would like you to raise your hand if, this, if you've been nagged in this way. Doing your homework? Come on, everybody. Now, as I go through them, put your, no, keep your hand up. 
And if they all apply, I want your hand to stay up. As you, as you have one that doesn't apply to you, put your hand down. Doing chores, cleaning the room, watching too much TV, getting good grades, playing computer, video games, electronics, not eating their vegetables. Wow, some hands went down. That's good. Being nice to siblings. Come on now. Oh, man. Drinking enough water. Ay, ay, ay. Sitting too close to the TV. I didn't make this up. This was on the internet. This was a real top 10. In fact, they had 20, but the 10 was enough. Um, nagging to annoy by persistent fault finding complaints or demands. What's so annoying about nagging? Yeah? It's not pleasant, I'll tell you, it's not pleasant from either end. Yeah, go ahead. Right, you, you know this is coming and you know you've heard it before. You don't want to hear it again. Hey, trust me, parents don't want to say it again either. What else? What's annoying about nagging? Okay, it's something, it's not, shouldn't be a big deal, and for you, it's not a big deal, but for some reason, those parents think it is a big deal. Let me just say that w when I was told about this form, it wasn't called Raising Your Parents. I changed the name to make it more different but it was about parent-teen relations. And when I heard that, I'm like, are you kidding? You're gonna send me in there? Either I'm gonna be the wolf among the chicken hen, or, uh, or I'll be the uh, chicken that's sent into the wolf's den. I don't know which way it is, but either way, there's, I'm one of the enemy here. So it was difficult for me to how to relate and how to respond and know your feelings as well as the other side of the story. So we're kinda trying to understand each other here. Um, nagging is annoying and really a lot of what I'm going to tell you today and talk about today I should have a separate forum with the parents and say you guys need to adjust in, in many ways just like you guys need to adjust in many ways see my notes isn't this ridiculous I see the other guys doing forums with their iPads and stuff I have this handwritten note stuff, it's ridiculous, but uh, it helps me think. Um, the battle we face. The battle is the relationship with parent and child, parent and teen. And, and unfortunately, it is a battle too often. It shouldn't be a battle, but too often it is. There's just a natural tendency for us, for you, to resist to find fault with your parents. And there's a natural tendency as parents to find fault with you. It's, it's not the way it should be, but it's just a normal thing. Um, we set ourselves up with a position that we have and we hold to it. And you guys set yourself up with a position you have and you hold to it and those battle lines are drawn. A and that conflict is there. It, it's so common. We see it in our friends, we see it in our neighbor. Everyone has 
this teen-parent relationship that is rocky, that is difficult. And so we think, well, it's, that's the way it's supposed to be. Everyone has this problem, so it's okay for me to have, and have it too. Societal influence, movies, cultures, there's always this parent-teen relationship. Uh, uh, yeah, you, you probably, most of you know this, but I love it. I'm done arguing with you. Yeah, okay. That's hilarious. I love that kid. I want to give him a hug. Um, but it's not how it should be. This arguing and bickering starts when you're young and builds up and gets more animosity and more problematic. Um, and. That's not how it should be. We think it's funny when it's young, but it's not funny when, when we are in it. We're in the midst of it. It doesn't feel funny at all. So I, I named the forum Raising Parents because 
really, it, we're both learning. The teens, children, all the way up till, till your parents are still alive, you're always teaching something to your parents. Your parents are always learning something. When you first arrived on the planet, it was a miracle. And we were there. And you came out, and you were so slimy and bloody. <laughs> it was disgusting, I'm telling you. Someday you'll see it for yourselves, maybe. But it was the most beautiful thing. How can it be disgusting and beautiful? I don't know because it was amazing. To see you for the first time was amazing. Ask your parents, they'll tell you the same thing. To know God's handiwork in creating a life that was inside your mom's belly for nine months, amazing. You're teaching us to love. We, we never knew we can love someone so much as when we had you, and as you filled our hearts. You teach us faith. We can't uh, control everything. Uh, been to the ER numerous times. Um, many experiences that we want to avoid, but God is in control by him and for him. Give us hope. Tomorrow is going to be better. We've had our struggles today. Tomorrow is going to be better. And hope, what, what will you turn out to? What will you become? Hope. Teach us patience. Trials, God's word says, lead to patience. There's been trials. Right? Yes, <laughs> a lot of trials? I would think so. We understand better how God feels towards us as a father. You guys teach us things. I mean, uh, Pluto wasn't a planet, and then it is a planet, and you guys came home with that information from school with us, or um, stuff. I, I seriously had no idea what a meme was until a week ago today, I think it was. Um, I, so it's a pretty cool thing, but <laughs> I just learned it literally a week ago. This Vines and Snapchat. You know, I used to be the one that knew the electronics. Now my phone doesn't work right. Son, can you figure it out for me? It's useful. You guys are helping us. You teach us forgiveness. Spill the soda. Break the window. Crash the car. We need to forgive you when these things happen. You have raised us to, do, to be better than we are. And really, we are grateful. Um, I read a book recently uh, about raising parents. And it said, what questions do all children ask of their parents? And these are not questions that they typically come out and say. This is, in your actions, the questions that come out. Am I loved? When you are interacting with your parents, the question that comes out to us, are you loved? And there's a second question, can I get my own way? Now, the answer to the am I loved should be, better be, yes. 
And you may think, can I get my own way? You wish the answer was yes. I want my way, and that should be a yes. So there's a little chart here. And we'll go from the top left. Can I get my own way? Yes. Am I loved? No. Those are parents that really don't care, are uninvolved and uninterested, and the child will seek love and structure elsewhere. Bottom left. I'm loved, and I get my own way all the time. You are a spoiled little brat, and you're missing structure, and when you face the real world, you ain't going to get your way the whole time. It's not going to be like that. Life is about rules and regulations and structure, so it's not about having your own way. Uh, can I get my own way? No. Am I loved? No. Wow, that's a sad, sad state. Those are parents who are rule-bound. These are the rules. If you don't obey them, you are in dire consequences. And I'm trying to train you to be what you should be. It's kind of like a military dad. Um, without a heart, without caring really for the person who they are, just structure, rules, regulations. Missing warmth, missing joy. Am I loved? Yes. Can I get my way? No. You can't get your own way. There are rules, there's reasons for these rules, and we'll share these reasons for these rules. That's the optimal place to be. And again, this is not something that you guys can control. You guys, have, you guys should know where you fit in this already. Um, another way to look at it is parenting types. It's the same thing. The uninvolved parent, there's no rules, there's no demands, it's just not even interested in the child. The permissive parent, uh, do whatever you want, I don't care. Um, and I'll give you whatever you want to make you happy. It's not going to work in the long run. The authoritarian, author, author, say it for me, someone, please. Thank you. Um, strict rules, strong punishment, not responsive to the child's reactions, to the teen's reactions. And then authoritative, I got that one. Rules with reasons. There's reasons why we ask you to keep your room clean. There's reasons why the chores need to be done responsive to the child's uh, reactions and actions and nurturing, loving place to be. What do parents want? And it says here, what parents want survey. This is not a survey. These are things that popped in my head, and I wrote them down as they popped in my head, which is going to tell us a little something about me, too. Um, obedience. What do parents want? Obedience, respect, a relationship, maturity, godly children, baptized believers, healthy. Oh, that was, that was it. Go back. Uh, yeah. So, as I wrote this list, I thought, well, I am part of the problem here. The first thing I thought was, I want obedience. That's what I want. But what is the most important thing on this list? 
godly children. As parents, and I wish I was talking to them now, that should be our primary goal. That should be the number one thought in any interaction we have with you, godly children. These other things are outward things. You see the obedience, you see the respect. Those will come if the inward is being changed, is being made new. Those should be the focus as parents. And sometimes we can't reach in there and change you, so we just focus on the obedience, the respect. And really that's not where the focus should be. But that's kind of like we're grabbing, that's kind of all we have. That's all we have to hold on to. So we look at that. Um, and that really is something if you are becoming a godly child, a godly teen. Those obedience and that respect and that maturity will all grow out of that. Um, so we're looking at the outside because we can't see inside your heart. And we're trying to get that outside right. But really the important thing is the heart. Roadblocks to parent-teen relationships. That's a pretty big roadblock. Any relationship needs time. Time with one another. And as parents, often we don't have the time, we don't make the time, we don't take the time. And as teens, you guys are involved with a whole lot of stuff too. This is kind of falling on both sides. You guys should have an emphasis for that as well. There's an age gap. There's a different generation. You guys thought differently than we do nowadays. There's social differences. The way we interact with our friends is different than the way we interact years ago, mainly because of technology. How we interact is completely different. Not necessarily bad, but different. FaceTime versus FaceTime. We need more face-to-face -face time with each other, with our parents. Servant role. Too often when we ask you to do things, you get the feeling, what am I, your servant? But, but just put yourselves in our shoes as, well, not me, but my wife does the laundry, does the cooking. How... How does she feel? She feels like a servant too. You're both feeling the same way. As parents, we're the servants, slaving and working to provide for you and to do your, everything for you. And as kids, you think, oh, they're loading on me. I've been doing uh, the laundry. Well, maybe not the laundry, but I've been taking out the garbage. I've been mowing the lawn. I've been whatever else you do. Uh, doing all these things, they're loading on me. I just want to relax especially summertime. Um, really, we both fall into the servant role. And it was interesting in, in your forum yesterday, uh, the screw tape letters when he was talking about that, he said um, that the servant becomes the sons. Um, and I think that's interesting how the love of we have for you makes you become real children of ours and not just servants. There's taboo topics. Um, 
the opposite sex. Who do you like? Who don't you like? I don't know what my kids like and what they don't like. They don't share that with me. Um, take away the opposite, sex. That's a taboo topic. We're not going there. Um, how about spiritual topics? Do you, do you relate to your parents about what you're feeling, about how you, how you know your need for Christ, how you know that you've done wrong and you want forgiveness? These are things, and as parents, we need to do the same thing because we are far from perfect. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But both sides. It's a both sides thing. Then there's the move toward independence. And I think this is a big piece of maturity and a big piece of teens coming to adulthood. Um, we are raising you to be adults, to be independent, to be able to move out and live out on your own. Not that fast, but we, we, we kind of want you to stay a little bit. Um, but this is, this is something that's difficult for Christians, parents especially, because I'm training, we're training you to be independent. But really we need to train you to be completely dependent on God. I mean 100% dependent on Him. Not on your weekly paycheck, not on whatever else things we all rely on. It's not that. It's relying on God. So moving towards independence is one thing, but learning to be dependent on God. Breaking through. Often, this is what it feels like trying to break through. The earphones are in, and you just want to get through. Often, we're trying to break through to ask you to do something, and that's why we're not getting through. But we need to break through. We need to take them out and talk and share and care. It shouldn't be like that. So we had the roadblocks, the building blocks of parent-teen relationship. Communication. First and foremost, communication, talking, speaking with one another, sharing with one another. I have another uh, video clip. Not there, not there, what? How do you make this thing go away? I need uh, technical assistance with me. Escape, and then I want to minimize it. Not well planned out. Come on. There we go.
the Freedom Tower in New York. And what I found interesting about that is that that was like a nine-year view of, of its building. Um, and and what did you notice? The first half of the video, there was nothing going on from our perspective. It was all the foundation being built up, being laid. There was no structure building up in the air. And this is a huge building, the largest building in the US. And for the first half of that video, just the foundation was being laid. And, and, and there's many applications. Um, the application that I was thinking of is with trust especially. Trust is something that is a foundation and gets built on. But really all aspects of relationship is foundation first and it builds up from there. Our Christian life is the same way. If we have the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, the rest of our lives can get built up from there and be a strong and mighty tower. Not because of who we are, but because of that foundation that we grew out of. I think it's a, a key thing. So other building blocks, respect. Should respect be mutual? Should, uh, you should have respect for your parents. And sometimes they don't deserve it. But should your parents respect you? Thoughts? Again, that's something that is gonna, needs to be earned, needs to be deserved, needs to be built up. Um, it's not something that's going to come. And speaking of one of the aspects of that, uh, you know, sometimes your parents invade your privacy, go through your room, check your phone. They're not doing that to be intrusive and meddling and we have a heart that wants what's best for you. And we want to see that you are following through on the good things and not the bad things. So if we do that, don't consider it a, a lack of trust or a, um, a meddlesome thing. It, it's really something because we love you. Honesty, important responsibility. And again, time, building blocks for parent-teen relations, common interests. Communication specifically, again, time is needed, honesty, priority. Really, you know, you give your friends a lot of priority, but they're not going to be there forever. They're really not. I mean, maybe church friends, hopefully, but school friends, ask anyone. They're going to fade. They're not going to be there like your family, like the people that mean the most to you, like the people who care and have the best, your best interests in mind. Burdens meant to be shared. We heard about this last night, both boys and girls separately. If there is something weighing on you, express it and get it out. Don't keep it 
hidden and tucked away. It, if you delay it, it's like an infection that you have. And it, infections only get worse unless they're treated, unless they're opened up and gotten better. A minor problem can become a major problem and require major surgery. Don't delay. Express yourself. And if your parents, you know, we as parents, we hear you speaking sometimes and we're, our mind is elsewhere and we're busy with elsewhere. If you don't get the response that you need from your parents, say, we need to sit down, mom and dad. You know, I'm having this issue with my teacher and you just said, you know, speak to your guidance counselor or whatever the case may be. But this is really something that is really painful to me and really difficult for me. I, I need more than a pat answer from you. I need you to be with me and pray with me and help me through this. Um, follow through with that. And distraction free. Too often we're, yes, we're listening to people and we're not really focused on what they're saying or, or we're off in our own world. Be focused. Be distraction free. Trust, foundational, two-sided, it's earned, it develops over time, and if it's lost, it's difficult to, to regain. If uh, you have a trust relationship with your, your parents and then one day you see the dad's good car keys laying there in the good car and the guys want to go out, you know what, I'm not going to take my junkie car today, I'm going to take the good car. Didn't ask, your dad is okay with it, I'm sure. You go, you have a little fender bender. The trust level, which has been growing over time, boom. Boom, back to the bottom. It takes time to build up. Don't ruin it with something you think is not a big deal. Finding things in common. This is, uh, I, I think we're doing YMCA, I'm guessing. Katie's not participating well with her M. And I think Luke's, Luke's dys dyslexic or something. I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> but I think, I don't, I don't remember this at all. I just saw the picture the other day. We love Frisbee playing with each other. Oh, right before lunch. Do you, anyone know what this is? Oh. This is the McRib. <laughs> Me and my boys love the McRib, and we can never find them. Many of you may think that's gross, but it, it, it's something we have deeply in common. And the most important thing in common, our love for one another, our love for God. That's going to hold us together more than anything else. You know, there's nothing more special. Uh, I'm gonna, I have some guest speakers. I'm not leaving them much time. But um, there's nothing more special that when you have a daughter or a son and you can call them brother and sister. I remember my father and mother calling me brother for the first time. That relationship is deeper, is richer, and a lot of the problems seem to wipe away. They don't disappear, but they seem to minimize. 
Um, dependence versus independence. When you're born, 100% dependent on us. As you grow, you need, a, need us less. Um, in the questionnaire, the second question was, um, what decisions can you, at what age can you make decisions on your own? And what interesting is the rate, the ages uh, varied greatly, but it was almost always, 92% of the time, older than what I am. If I'm 13, it was 15, 17. If I'm 17, it was 19, 20. If I'm 19, it was when I'm married or later or never. It always seemed to be, for the most part, higher than where I am right now. So if you're 13 and say, well, at 15, I'd be able to make my decisions. When you get to 15, you'll be like, wait a second. I still need them. I need help. It'll be, it'll keep moving. And I think even as adults, we find value in treasuring our parents' knowledge. Uh, and that will continue. Puppy dog perspective. This is important. How adorable is this puppy? I'm not a big dog guy, but man, that dog is cute. How many have uh, dogs, dog owners? I, I just want to tell you something, uh, a little story. So imagine this is your puppy. His name is Sparkle because he brightens your life. Um, and you bring him home, and you nurture him, and you feed him, and you love him, and you walk him, and you pick up his you know, stuff. That's the worst thing. That's why I can't have a dog. And you sleep with him, and you cuddle with him, and he licks you, and he licks your face, which I find gross, but that means he loves you. And you grow up together. And at six or seven years into his life, he's a full-grown dog now. You come home one day, and you go to pet him, and he nips at you. That's unusual. A few days later, um, you go to uh, call him into the room, and he growls. <laughs> what do you mean he's growling? We have this relationship. I, I knew you from a pup. I raised you. I love you. And he's growling at me. But that doesn't make any sense. Then the next day, uh, you go to change his food, and you take his bowl, and he nips at you again, and, and he draws blood this time. What is going on? I, I don't own a dog. I don't know if that is a thing that can happen. I kind of think it's not. But I have children. And children are ones that I've raised from when they needed me and loved me and I lift them up and threw them up. And now they nip at me sometimes. And sometimes... They don't draw physical blood, but they draw my sorrow. Not often, but it happens. We, you do that to your parents. And think of all the life experiences brought you to this place, and now these little things that are bothering you about them or causing you pain or grievance with them, and there's biting back and fighting back. That's the puppy dog perspective. Think about it. Is there a perfect parent? I, I was expecting to hear yes from my kids. No. <laughs> I expected a big, big no from my kids. Is there a perfect parent? No, definitely not. They don't exist. Um, I would be a perfect parent if it weren't for my kids. Yes, exactly. Okay. Who was the first parent? 
Adam and Eve, many people would say, God was the first parents. The first children were Adam and Eve. And what did they do? God, and let's just say, God was perfect. Perfect in his love, perfect in his justice, in his judgment, in his holiness. He was perfect. And what happened to Adam and Eve? They failed. They failed for themselves and they failed for all of us in the future because we have a sinful nature in us. So our parents are not perfect, but they're doing the best they can. And you guys aren't perfect and you're going to fail and you're going to cause us grief. And we know it. We don't like it. But both of us have to deal with the imperfections that we have and work on making them better. And again, both of them need, need to be made better from inside out. Remember that, inside out. Uh, the surveys, uh, I just tallied up everything. Just since, since you filled them the other day, I want to give them to you. Your age, 15.6 average. Uh, at what age do you think you're capable of making your own decisions? 19.9 without your parents' approval. Who has a greater influence on you? 67% parents. Nice. Who do you trust more? 97% parents. Percentage of time you win an argument? 30%. Not bad. When you disobey your parents, it's because they're wrong. 25% of... That's probably... Pretty accurate. Uh, I want my way, 67%. I think that should be higher. That's what I think. My parents don't trust me enough and don't give me enough space. 76% false. Good. My parents and I have little in common and don't spend enough time together. 84% false. That's good. I would like to spend more time with my parents. 75% true. I was surprised. I thought that number would be higher. My parents want what is best for me, 99%. There was one person, and I want that person. Maybe they misread the question. Maybe they didn't understand the question. But if you really believe that your parents don't want the best for me, come see me afterwards. We have to talk. Your parents want what is best for you. They really do. And you can trust them, the other 97% number there. Raising parents. We talked about raising as in bringing up. We're raising you as children, as teens. That's the definition of raising. And you're raising us in how we are learning things about life and learn things about you. Raise also means to make higher, to elevate, to lift up. The Bible clearly says that we need to honor our father and mother to raise them up in that way. You guys need to raise up your parents in that way. Love. Listen to them. Obey them. Volunteer to help. Enjoy being with them. That's another way to raise your parents. Um, let's have Natasha come and, and give a, a quick couple minutes, few minutes of sharing of experiences that she's made.
Hello? Okay. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Natasha. I'm from New Jersey. Um, Phil informally asked me to talk, and I feel like I kind of fit this topic because I was really fresh when I was a teenager, honestly. Um, I didn't get along with my parents at all. I had, like, so much anger towards them all the time, and they really had no idea why. And I don't think I even did either. I think it was just, like, changes I was going through and stuff like that. So I kind of, like, made a little outline so I don't, like, ramble too much. But one of the main points, I mean, Phil covered a lot of, like, really good topics. But now from like a child perspective, I kind of wanted to give you a little bit of input and also being a Christian now, how I've seen things differently from when I was a teenager. Um, in Hebrews 12:11, it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Um, my parents punished me a lot. I got spanked, I got my phone taken away, I couldn't go have sleepovers, and that made me even more angry at my parents. But I was rebelling, so they, what other choice did they have, really? Um, you think usually your parents don't, like, understand your anger, um, and they don't know what you're going through, but the truth is they do, and regardless of what day and age you're in and what generation you grow up in, things are always going to change technology-wise and all of that, but there's always drama, there's always complications with friends and within yourself, questions that you have that you don't understand, but um, God said we need to honor our father and our mother, and that's the bottom line. And you think that um, the things that you're going through, you're alone, but you're not. You're never alone. And even if you feel alone, you're not alone. You're not alone. There's Look at the room. There's all these teenagers in here who are going through a lot of the same things that you think that you're going alone through. So in Deuteronomy 31.8, it says, The Lord himself goes before you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Um, along with being angry, um, hold on. It says in Proverbs that anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? And then it says in James 1, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. In Timothy 1, uh, 1 Timothy 2, it says, Therefore, I want men everywhere to pray, up, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. The Bible clearly says a lot about anger and that you're never alone. And I guess I wanted to just tell everybody here that you're not alone and just really emphasize that because when I was a teenager, I felt really alone and I held in my anger and I held in all of those emotions that I had and I didn't know what to do with them and so I acted out. But the Bible says we don't have to feel alone and we don't need to be discouraged. And as Phil was saying, 
you know, we need to talk to our parents. Like I said, our parents know what it's like to be a teenager. It might have been a little bit longer away, but they still know and they remember those things. And um, just don't feel like you can't talk to them. It's better to let it out, even if they might not understand at that time or know what to say. It's better to let it out and um, than to hold it in. Um, along, going along with doing what you want. That was a big thing for me. It's a big thing for my sisters, when, like, you know, watching them grow up and my youngest sister too. Sorry, Michaela. Um, <laughs> you want to do what you want. You're growing up. You feel more mature. You want to be independent. You want to make your own decisions. And that's all great. And you are growing up. And you should be able to be a little bit more independent and in making decisions. But... Hold on, I forgot to write the rest down. Give me one second. In Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 3, it says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. There's a time for everything in your life. There's no reason to rush anything. I'm not that much older than some of you. I'm only 22, but I've realized these things as I've gotten older. I wanted to rush my life so much. I wanted to do so much at such a young age, and I did illegally some things, but I did. And now what's there to look forward to? There's a time for everything. There's you, Every year of your life has a season, and you just need to be patient. So I guess that's all I really have to say. Thanks. Thank you. Oh, Matt is here. I was going to say, it's the running late, but he can come, come speak because I was going to say, if you guys want to talk to anyone, you can talk to them individually as well. I didn't see you, so I thought maybe they'd have to come speak, but come on. And then we'll conclude quick afterwards. Yeah, my name is Matthew Beloy, and well... Well, a lot like that, what we were looking at, my parents really fit strongly under the authoritarian. And if you see some of my friends in the back, my cousins, they'll just tell you that's the truth. Like, if they had uh, one thing on that list of what parents really want, it was just obedience. I didn't think they actually cared anything about me, which really led me to, like, rebel. Kind of like what Natasha was saying, it didn't really matter. Like, I kind of even forget why I was angry at them, but they were angry at me. But they were also, I mean, they're imperfect, just like I am. We were both learning. I'm like, I'm their first kid. So they didn't know any better. They were just reading books and whatnot. It was actually kind of funny. <laughs> because then I would look at those books and like completely manipulate them, what they were doing. So it was a really messed up kid. But 
after that, I mean, it got, it got progressively worse. I mean, from like the age of 12 all the way to, all the way till I decided to give my life to Christ. It got progressively worse. Like, I didn't really care. I just wanted to go out and have a good time. And the more and more, if anyone knows my mother, she's, um, if you don't listen, she's just going to push harder instead of letting you make that mistake. She'd rather have total control of you. And so it was, that was pretty bad. But she um, didn't ever let me do anything. And that made me just want to do things to make her angry. I know that's really bad, but it's just the way people work in their minds sometimes. And to me, it was, it wasn't a big deal. I was like, okay, everyone does this. Like, I'm seeing all my friends from school do this. I'm like, it's whatever. It's normal. This is what everyone should be like. And the people that do listen to their parents, well, they're just weird. And, like, look at them. They're like an outcast. But it was wrong. And, you know, seeing that now, now that I've given my life to Christ, now that you're older, it's true. Like, once you leave high school, it's, it's nothing. Once you get into the real world and start being yourself, you start seeing it from a totally different perspective as in the sense of, all these kids that you thought were once cool and the way that you were acting or hopefully the one day the way you were acting, you'll see them in the sense as, I can't believe that was me. I can't believe I was the one rebelling against my parents just to go out and do things that, you know, I thought were cool at the time just because it was rebellious. And that's a mistake that we're all going to make. This is a mistake I still make because I don't get along with my parents all the time. It's got progressively better, a lot better than where it was. You know, we, we don't fight near as much. We do get into arguments about things. Sometimes it's about scripture, sometimes it's about day-to-day, -day, or most of the time it's like what I'm wearing to church. My mother like flips out. But it gets so much better, and I'm so thankful for it. And like a lot of what um, Natasha said, you actually read the verse I was going to read at the very end. But <laughs> um, there is a timing for everything, and that's what really I focused on so much. Like God has a perfect timing and a perfect reason for everything that happens in your life. And a big thing that I struggled with, I can see now from the other side, like even as a Christian, as an unbeliever, I thought, well, the devil really used this against me. I'm sure he does for a lot of you, just like he will for the rest of your lives and the rest of my life. He uses the fact, well, your parents are being mean to you. Your parents don't want you to listen, and your parents just, you know, they want to control you. And I said, well, why can they do that to me? And I use that kind of as an excuse or as my like motivation to go out and do things in life that I knew were wrong, like going out and abusing things and going out and just living a very, um, I guess, sinful, sinful life. And that's kind of my motivation for all of you or my tip. Don't, it doesn't matter what your parents do to you. It's your responsibility to rise above that influence and to really listen to what God has to say because, you know, parents are going to make mistakes and everyone in this room that's a parent can really vouch to that. I mean, my dad said it to me. He's made mistakes and he regrets saying things to me. But, you know, it's, all, it's forgiveness and I've, I've given him and God's given me his love. And together, like, it's gotten so much better. And that's why I'm really thankful for that. Me and my family are finally getting closer together and now I'm able to be a better example to my little brother. Thank you, Matt and Natasha, for expressing what we know. That parents are imperfect, but we live through it. And you are imperfect, but change can happen. Growth can happen. Improvement can happen. So we're at Friday in camp.
where do we go from here? I, I hope you're leaving with something to want to improve your relationship with your parents. When you go home from camp, the people that you're going to be with is your family. It's not your friends right away. It's your family first. What is going to change? Are we going to go back to arguing about what I'm wearing tomorrow at church or Sunday at church? Are we going to go back to disagreeing about things and cleaning my room and all those things? Are we, are we going to change? Are we going to improve? A lot of you, I pray, have made a commitment to Christ this week. And if not, tonight is one more night. Are you going to have that conversation? It's interesting, one of the most difficult things for a lot of people, including myself, was talking to my parents. My parents wanted me to become a Christian. Your parents want you to become a Christian, and yet you don't want to talk to them about that. To say, this is what my heart's desire is now, to serve the Lord. Confessing that to them and asking them for their prayers and their support. They want to hear it. You want to say it, and yet there's something in the way. Part of it, I think, is knowing that they're watching me. They're going to see when I slip up and, oh, I shouldn't have bothered even telling them that I want to serve the Lord now because they see me screaming at my brother again or see me watching things on TV are useless and they tell me not to. And whatever it is, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be problems. There's going to be bumps in the road. But they want what is best for you. You guys know that. You guys filled out the surveys. And you go back. Will it be back to the same old routine? Or will something change? Something with your relationship with your parents? Something in your daily Bible reading? Something in your life? should be changing when you go back home. The, the uh, forum yesterday was the sledgehammer and the wedge. And Satan uses both. And it was a crystal clear message of how he works. The sledgehammer, he'll knock you over the head. The wedge, he just sticks in there and slowly separates you. Don't let Satan use a wedge in the relationship with your family, with your parents. Don't let Satan separate you and pull you apart. Hold together. Hold together around the word of God, around the love that you have for each other. And may that be the strength that changes you and changes you from within. Um, I wasn't going to ask for comments, and we don't really have a lot of time. Or, not comments. I don't want to hear comments. You can tell me later. Uh, questions? Go ahead. I'll, I'll take a couple questions. If you have any, if not... You can go to lunch. Very good, we'll go to lunch.